Hey there, friends. It's Nick. Okay, so we're up to technique six of our 30-day sprint through storytelling techniques. And today's about, well, so yesterday, let's, let's rewind. Wow, man, that's an old joke. We used to do that joke. It only makes sense if you understand what uh, quarter-inch tape sounds like playing backwards. Anyway, um, yesterday we talked about tension. If we want flow in our stories, we need to create tension. There's a couple of ways to create tension. Well, a couple of ways that I'm going to talk about. And today I'm going to talk about the first one, which is asking questions. So let's take three simple examples. Be a short podcast, this one. The TV sitcom Friends starts when a woman in a wedding dress stumbles into a Greenwich Village coffee shop in New York, right? So suddenly in this coffee shop, there is a woman in a full-on meringue-like wedding dress with a veil and everything. Alice Siebold's best-selling novel, The Lovely Bones, starts like this. My name was Salmon, like the fish. First name, Susie. I was 14 when I was murdered on December 6th, 1973. That's the first line. Killing Floor, which is the first Jack Reacher novel by Lee Child, starts like this. I was arrested at Eno's Diner at 12 o'clock. I was eating eggs and drinking coffee. A late breakfast, not lunch. I was wet and tired after a long walk in heavy rain, all the way from the highway to the edge of town. So then you've got three openings, right? And in each case, the writers, which are obviously David Crane and Marta Kaufman for Friends, Alice Siebold for The Lovely Bones and Lee Child, for Killing Floor, these writers, they're toying with us. They're teasing us because from that very first moment, they want us to be asking questions, obviously. And to take the Jack Reacher open, opening, Child makes us wait. He's building the suspense on our questions. The questions we've got going around our head off, we read that first paragraph. They're getting louder and louder. Why were you arrested? We think, who are you anyway? Why were you walking in the heavy rain? What's going to happen next? And there's a foundational insight here about, about human beings. And it, Robert Cialdini, Professor Robert Cialdini, who I've mentioned many times on the podcast, who wrote uh, Influence and he also wrote Persuasion. These are two best-selling books about the psychology of, yeah, influence and persuasion, essentially. And he touches on it. In that second book, Persuasion, he talks, he has a whole section when he's talking about how to, how to retain people's attention. I mean, this is a guy who's a lecturer, right? I mean, his, his day job is teaching students. And one of the things he talks about is this time when he stumbled on, he stumbled on this technique and the technique was essentially to cast his lessons as mysteries. So let me give you a quick example of this. Did I talk about this last week? I can't remember. Yeah, I think I did. There's, you know, there's this thing where the salesman, you remember this, if you were listening last week, the salesman that he was shadowing was the best salesman in this organization, this organization that sold fire alarms and fire suppression equipment. The guy would go into the house to speak to the owners and he would have them do this survey, this survey essentially to, to scare them by showing them how little they understood about the dangers of fire. And while they were doing the survey, he'd nip out to the, he'd, he'd say, I'd forgotten something. Do you mind if I just let myself out and let myself back in again? I don't want to interrupt the test, but 
yeah, I'll just go and get this thing that I should have brought. And if you remember, that was the only thing really that the salesman did differently from all of his, all of the rest of the, the, the men and women in the sales team. And it made this massive difference because the people that he was meeting associate this idea of somebody letting themselves out and into the house with trust. And as I've said many, many times on this podcast, I've got a whole set of web pages about it on my website. It's businesscom Trust is this amazing, amazing thing for businesses. If we can build trust, if we can show trust, then everything else, everything else becomes easier. It's like parking downhill. It's like sailing with the wind behind you. Everything becomes easier. Anyway, if you think about the way that that, that Cialdini in his book tees up that story, he starts by saying, he starts by articulating this mystery. Why was this guy getting so many, so much better results than, than all of the other people in his sales team? And then he talks about the difference and in his lessons, he would then let the students think around the problem because questions, as he said in his book, require answers, but, but mysteries require explanations. And what he found was that the students were that much more attentive. In fact, he said, when he started using this mystery technique, he actually realized he'd stumbled on something that was pure gold because at one point the, the, the bell essentially for, for the end of the session, um, sounded and none of the students moved. And he said, usually when it gets to two or three minutes before, and we remember this from school, right? You start to pack your stuff up because you know, the bell's coming, you know, the lessons effectively ended, but when he, he used this mystery technique, he had their attention and more importantly, he kept their attention. And really I've gone a long way around to this, but this is what, uh, Lee Child and Alice Seabold and the friends writers, this is what they were doing. They were creating a mystery. Why is there a woman in a wedding dress in a coffee shop? How can this girl be talking to her, us if she's been murdered? You know, why is this guy being arrested? They're asking questions and, and in his book, I'll get back. I've gone full circle. I'll get back to the quote now. Cialdini says, he talks about the reason we struggle to resist a mystery human beings. And he says that desire, which also pushes us to return to incomplete narratives, unresolved problems, unanswered questions, and unachieved goals reflects a craving for cognitive closure. And I'd add to that I'd, because, you know, what we know from the psychology, from the neuroscience, um, studying people's brains as they make sense of the world is that we, we make sense of the world through story. You know, when we make a decision, we're, we're telling ourselves a story about what might happen if we do or don't do something else. Sorry, just being hassled by the dog. Are you okay? Anyway, um, the point of course, is that questions trigger that, that lack of cognitive closure. They trigger this, these gaps in our thinking and <laughs> just this way. They trigger this gap in our thinking, right? And they create this tension. And as we know, tension triggers attention. It also triggers action. So this is why asking questions can be such a powerful thing. And of course you see it in all the terrible kind of clickbaity headlines as well. But when we use it in business storytelling, when we're using it sort of ethically, I, I want to say authentically, but I don't really like that word, but yeah, we're using it 
when we actually are going to deliver something on the back end of it, questions can be such a powerful thing. But, but there's a second more powerful way to create tension in business audience. And I'm going to talk about that tomorrow. And you can see what I just did. You can see what I did there. Anyway, this is uh, the sick technique of 30. Remember that your story means business. And if you want to dig deeper into the stuff that I do, search online for story.business. Bye now.